0: As a pastor, as a pastor, I go to a lot of weddings and a lot of funerals, a lot of weddings and a lot of funerals. Weddings are typically fun because the bridal party is always goofing off. Sometimes there's dancing, sometimes there's drinking, sometimes there's a lot of drinking. Uh, Sometimes there's games, sometimes there's sparklers when you're sending off the bride and groom. So weddings typically are a lot of fun. Now, Funerals can be fun if the deceased is somebody like Aunt Mildred, who lived to the ripe old age of 95. She just loved the Lord, and you have the funeral, and then in the wake, there's just story after story about how awesome Aunt Mildred was and what a gift she was to everybody, okay? So funerals can be fun, but last year was tough for either weddings or funerals because we had, we had COVID. COVID came in. And so for some of you that are socially, uh, socially awkward, for so- those of you that are introverted, you welcomed the lockdown. And you were like, yes, I never have to leave my home again. There is a God. Some of you who are socially networked and extroverted cried every single day the government should not be allowed to do this like you are having big struggles big struggles okay now for my wedding friends that were going to get married last year some of them had to postpone their weddings some of them went ahead and did their weddings with modifications so I did one wedding where we were all masked and then at the reception you sat at your table and don't you dare leave your table like do not mingle Like, you know, there were police around to make sure that that did not happen. Um, Some of them just eloped and went to the courthouse. Now, I don't, you probably haven't had this experience except for maybe Brian and a few other people, but when you go to the wedding as a pastor, it's different. When you go to the wedding as a pastor, it's different. First of all, your arrival and presence is announced loudly at every aspect. Hey, everybody, this is the pastor. The pastor, this is Pastor Max right here. Pastor, say hello to everybody. This is the pastor. That's code for hide the beer behind your back. (laughs) For those of you that were just letting the explicatives loose, please stop that. Like it's kind of like a, you know, an an announcement, right? Um, And so I think that's because they expect pastors to be crushers of fun. Um, I've concluded that over the 50 or 60 weddings that I've been a part of, Uh, that pastors typically are not expected to be fun or or have any fun or bring fun to a wedding. Uh, Seth Cochera's wedding down in Alabama, uh, we were at a historic Baptist church. Every single person greeted Jenny and me the same way. We're so glad to have you in our building today. Next person, we're so happy to have you in our building today. And and I was like, oh my gosh, they've all been to a training. Like they're saying, like... (laughs) like disney world and so the the pastor of the church because i was officiating uh before the rehearsal he, because of my last name is vanderpoel he kind of quipped well you need to open it in prayer maybe you could do that in german so i was like oh it's in leben alpha Frieda," that you know and i just you know gobbledy german non-words and he kind of huffed and then he said well maybe you could do that in latin and then i was like hick jacket authoris rex quantum rex gefutre like in in in, in Without skipping a beat, he goes, I hate smart people. <laughs> and the bridal party lost it, and then, boom, fun entered the room. That, that same wedding, by the way, uh, in the reception, there were three women in front of the cake. And I knew exactly why they were there. So I go up to the lady that's clearly the oldest and the one in charge, and I say, You know, everywhere the president goes, he's got a secret service detail. Are you the secret service detail for the cake? And she beamed, and she said, yes, why, yes, we are. And I said, well, uh, you know, thank you so much. And she said, well, you're welcome. We just don't want kids getting into the cake before the bride and the groom, you know, thick southern neck, before the bride and the groom have cut into it. But, you know, they call me by, they call us a different name here. And I'm like, well, what's that? Cake Nazis. Cake Nazis. So, I believe that one of the reasons guests tiptoe around the pastor at a wedding is because they think that Christianity and following Jesus is supposed to be 100% serious all the time. Like, there's this misnomer that uh, following Jesus is serious. John Piper, who's another graduate of Wheaton College rails against fun and having fun and he he has long tirades about christians should not be having fun like if he were here seeing that on the walls of our sanctuary in the house of god like he would have protest signs outside you know stop the fun now he advocates instead for serious joy (laughs) you're not buying that are you (laughs) he advocates for serious joy And he gets it honestly. Have you ever heard of the Puritans? Yeah, Puritans. So they came to America to kind of freely express their religion, right? And Puritans are famous for a lot of things. But I love the fact that because of public records laws, you can now go to the state of Massachusetts and you can read all of the Puritan meeting minutes from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. So from uh these are the handwritten notes by the way of one of those meetings so if you put up the next picture i want to read you the minutes at the bottom it is likewise ordered that all persons whatsoever that have cards dice or tables in their houses shall make away with them before the next court under pain of punishment In other words, they were concerned that on the Sabbath, after you had endured a three-hour sermon, that you would go home and get out that dice and make some merriment. And so they banned that. In fact, if that weren't enough, seven months later, they banned fancy clothing, no living with the Indians, even if they've got food and you don't, no smoking in public. So in that sense, they were the original smoke-free environment. So... Like many of you, when I was preparing for this sermon, like many of you, I used Google and I actually Googled Sermon on Fun. That's what I entered. Sermon on fun, enter. But Google being Google, you know what it did? Autocomplete. Do you know what the auto do you know what the autocomplete was? Sermon on funeral. Even Google thinks following Jesus should be serious. Even Google. Ecclesiastes 8.15 says this, so I recommend having fun. This is in the Bible. So I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way, they'll experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. If following Jesus isn't any fun, you're doing it wrong. If following Jesus isn't any fun, you're doing it wrong. Mike and Danita Lesage love to talk about how the fact uh, that the kingdom of God is a party. And we see that in the life and ministry of Jesus. So I'm going to be in the gospel of John today. John chapter 2. It's the it's the thing that's referenced in every single wedding that I do. The wedding at Cana in Galilee. So I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to go through it. John 2 verses 1 through Uh, 12. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six Joan water jugs used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip out some and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. And then when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you, you've kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding event, he went went to Capernaum for a few more days with his mother, his brother, and his disciples. So I want to look at verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to chunk through this passage. So in John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we're told that Jesus goes to this wedding in Cana. Nathanael, one of the 12 disciples, was from Cana of Galilee. So he's probably the end, the invite to this wedding that they all end up at. And weddings in these small villages were really big events. So if you didn't go to Jerusalem for one of the big festivals the wedding in town was the event for the year. And I need to kind of probably remind you of how weddings for Jews in the first century are very different from weddings today. Not that you need reminding, but let's cover a few things. A wedding back then for Jews had two parts, the betrothal part and the marriage part. The betrothal part and the marriage part. The betrothal, the kiddushin, or the marriage, the nisuin. I'm probably butchering those Hebrew words, but but it has two parts. The betrothal part, uh, so what would happen is, uh, kids would, you'd have kids, your neighbors, your friends would have kids, and parents, when the kids were about six or seven years old, would arrange for two kids to be married. And then when the girl hit puberty, on the other side of puberty, they would announce that, the betrothal was going to take place. And during the betrothal would last for about a year. And during that time, the bride would stay at her father's home and the groom would be building a new residence or a set of rooms off of his father's house for the family, uh, for he and his new bride to live. Um, The father of the groom would pay the father of the bride a mohar, a bride price. And so all of this would take place during the betrothal period. In the Gospels, when Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem, they're in this phase of a Jewish marriage. So they're betrothed, but they're not married. So uh, when Jesus in the Gospel of John says, I go to prepare a place for you, ding, 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 right? Everyone knows what he's talking about. And so in the second part, the marriage part, the groom would gather some of his friends and whatnot. Sometimes they would come at night, and they would go to get the bride because now it's time to have the wedding celebration. When Jesus in the Gospels talks about the uh, bridesmaids with the lanterns and the oil, right, it's, this is all imagery from Jewish weddings of the first century. So the groom comes and gets the bride. They all go to the place where the marriage ceremony is going to take place, at some point in the evening, the bride and the groom disappear and they consummate the marriage. For those of you that are younger, that's... So when a mommy and a daddy really love each other, okay? You can ask your parents later. Uh, the bride and the groom would disappear and consummate the marriage, and then they would come back, and then this celebration would go on for several days. Several days, For those of you that had a big event wedding, can you imagine it going on for days? (laughs) Like the one thing was enough. (laughs) And days. The extroverts are like, yeah, sign me up. Okay? So betrothal and marriage. So it's the marriage part, the the celebration part that Jesus and his disciples are attending. And it's the first of many parties and dinners and banquets that Jesus gets invited to. If you are one of the Following the Lord God Almighty is a serious thing. You might have questions for Jesus, like, don't you have any principles to teach here, Jesus? I mean, aren't there some teachable moments in this wedding? Aren't there any people to heal? Any poverty or suffering issues that you should address? I mean, and you've got a limited amount of time, man, like three years of public ministry. I mean, is this the best use of your time to just make merry at a wedding? Those questions could be posed by someone from the serious part of the God squad. Why did Jesus go? He was invited. (laughs) He was invited. He went because he was invited. I want to suggest some things to you. Jesus got invited to people's homes, tax collectors, sinners, people who were considered on the outs with God. They invited this man into their homes. If you're a prickly pear, if you're a fuddy-duddy, if you're one of those kind of people, like, you don't get invited to that kind of stuff, but Jesus did because he, he he had love and acceptance, but yet isn't it also the case that he could tell the truth like nobody's business, and yet he gets invited? There's this quality of Jesus that is actually likable, likable. Uh, In Nicholasville and in Wilmore, there are some real sticks in the mud, some real fuddy-duddies, some real killjoys. There's a woman who holds elected office locally whose dour facial expression is famous. And when we have gatherings where we're going to have a photo, it's always somebody's job to remind her to smile. (laughs) Okay? For those of you that are an eye on the disc profile, you kind of feel this intuitively. So, Josh, I'm talking about you and your people, Whenever there's a party or at a wedding, what's the question? And and Robbie, what's the question you want to know? Who's coming? Who's going to be there? Who else is you want to know the right people are going to be there so that you can have some fun, so that you can have some fun? So I want to suggest to you today that Jesus was wanted at those kinds of gatherings. People wanted Jesus at their party and in their home, and it was so bad that Jesus... Got in trouble with what I call the God squad, the Pharisees, the people who spoke for God so much you know they just they thought every thought that they had was the thoughts that God thinks and so Jesus uh, this is the reputation he got it's recorded in Matthew 11 verse 19. He is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Jesus, you're partying too much you're hanging out with the wrong people Stop it. Stop it. Like, that was their whole approach to him, okay? So, verses three and four, they run out of wine. That's a bad thing. That's a really bad thing. Why is that a bad thing? If you run out of wine, the party's over, and people go home, okay? And they've run out of wine, and A lot of people think that this, dear woman, that's not our problem. A lot of people think that Jesus is being rude to his mother, and and they want to do the whole, oh, my goodness, come on. Like, the risk she took to go to Bethlehem and bring you into this world, and this is how you treat your mother, and what are, you know. No, 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 okay? The gist of what Jesus is saying here is, how is that our problem? Like, we're guests at the, like, yes, wedding guests would typically share in the expenses of a wedding, but Jesus is not saying, this isn't our problem to solve. And yet, what happens? That's the next few verses. Uh, verses 5 through following. Jesus turns the water into wine. These six jones stars that hold 20 to 30 gallons each, is this a small party? Let me ask this question again for those of you good at math. Six containers of 30 gallons of wine, is this a small party? No, the whole town's here. And again, if the wine had run out, the party ends early. So in some ways, you could say that Jesus actually extended the wedding celebration. Now, the immediate application here that commentators will point out is that this isn't Jesus' problem. There's an event, they run out of wine, and Jesus steps in. Jesus actually cares about even the little things that seem like little things but then is the kicker of this passage and that's verses 9 to 11 where Jesus is uh, using a metaphor and the there's this interchange between the host and the host is like oh my goodness this is you've saved the best wine until last like everybody waits till everybody's slightly drunk and then they bring out the cheap stuff and here you've It's not about intoxication. It's about palate and the sensitivity of the palate. And the guy's paying a a tremendous compliment. But Jesus is saying something here. Jesus, there's a metaphor. My wine is better. Let me say that again. Again, it's not about the wine. It's not the wine. Don't focus on the wine. Jesus is saying, my wine is better. What I'm bringing, what I'm doing, what God is doing right now is better. It's better. And you should get in on this. It's better, okay? So in light of this, I want to ask you a few questions because this is actually a value of this church. It's on the wall right over there. Have fun. Have fun. Like what church has that as a core value? Craziness. Let me ask you this. What makes you come alive what brings you life and then what sucks that life right out of you like nobody's business <laughs> and why why do you know why do you tend to spend more time in the moment enjoying what is or do you spend tend to spend more time lamenting about what is not or what should be there's a difference I'm going to tell you my default personality setting right out of the factory is Eeyore. I knew that house wouldn't hold. Knew that was going to happen. So let me suggest a few things for you and me about living out this value, Um, bringing fun to what we do. First of all, I want to suggest to you that COVID-19 is actually a gift. What? Listen, I have hated. I'm using that word purposely. I have hated everything about COVID-19. Ah, Hate. And yet, COVID-19 has been a gift. It's a gift because it's giving you an ability to reassess some things. It's giving you an ability to see things and sometimes people with greater clarity. Come on, isn't it true that out and about with people, now you can go, "Oh, kind person, unkind person? wasn't sure before, now I know. Thank you. (laughs) Ding, clarity achieved. What are the things that you miss? What are the things that you long to have come back and why? And then what are the things that you're secretly hoping die a death and never come back? And why? Like that's telling you something, right? So you lean into that. Uh, In the early days of the pandemic, we didn't do what a lot of other churches did. Uh, We didn't live stream and try to do all that stuff. We had Zoom church. Remember how awkward that was? (laughs) And then scary for that one week. (laughs) Ask around. I'm still in therapy. Um, And so Zoom church, it was just awkward. You know what made Zoom church for me? It was not the, the Jesus slides. It wasn't the questions. It was Hi, Elena. Hi, Georgia. It was, Pastor Max, do you want to see my turtle? We're in church. He doesn't want to see the turtle. And I'm like, no, I want to see the turtle. Let's all, we all want to see the turtle. Come on. So that made Zoom church for me. I don't know about you. So for those of you that had kids, if you wondered, like, that kept me going all through the pandemic was the kids on Zoom just being themselves and bringing fun to Zoom church, Okay. So see COVID-19 as a gift. Secondly, take a Sabbath regularly. I talk about this frequently, and I violated this as a young pastor. I've just come off a three-month sabbatical. Uh, this last week, I saw the movie Dune with Josh and Daniel because we feel it's our duty to support Hollywood, and it's time of need. <laughs> and we talked before and after the movie, and Josh said to me, What's wrong with you? What happened to you? You become an optimist. (laughs) And I was like, I had a sabbatical. (laughs) Okay? So there's a connection here. If it's just work, 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 go, 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 dread, like that'll suck the joy and fun out of every last thing. Taking a day regularly where you're not doing chores, you're not laboring, you're not responding to the, to the gazillion emails, you're just living, gathering, laughing. Yes, maybe even playing weird card games or Catan, I don't know. But that's a gift from God, okay? So Sabbath regularly. And then lastly, learn to laugh at yourself. Uh, I don't take myself very seriously or my preaching very seriously But one of the clear indicators that Team America is in trouble is the fact that our politicians can no longer laugh at themselves. They can't. No one can. On either side, no one laughs at themselves anymore. Back in the day, they did. I remember uh, when Ronald Reagan got elected president, uh, one of the biggest issues that dogged him was his age. He was the oldest person ever to get elected to that office. And so regularly, the reporters were like, Mr. President, are, how's your memory? Mr. President, how's your stamina? You know, and, and there was concern about his age and how that might impact him. And so I remember one address he gave to Congress where he was talking about the founding fathers and all this stuff that went on and, and you know, this issue between James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, and then he pauses and he said, and I told Tom, don't you ever, and Congress just erupted, Because he was acknowledging, yep, I'm old. (laughs) I'm old. Got it. Uh, Bob Dole, when he suffered this horrible defeat to uh, Bill Clinton, went and made a Pepsi commercial in his hometown where he got asked to produce ID because he wanted to, you know, write a check for the cost of the meal. Um, You know, and he looked to the camera and he said, I just can't get any respect. And I was like, yep, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's true right there. He was able to laugh at himself, Okay. Brain science is only confirming this. uh, If you've heard of the Gottman Research Institute in Seattle, Washington, they've done a series of studies about fun and uh, geratology and laughter as it uh, relates to us humans. And they've concluded that having fun does actually five things for you. Five things. Having fun improves your relationships at work and in life. Having fun makes you smarter because it improves your memory and your concentration. Having fun reduces stress. Most of you're like, "Well, duh." Having fun balances your hormone levels. What? Having fun balances your hormone levels, and then having fun gives you more energy. It's incredible what we're learning. So I want to say this again, if following Jesus isn't any fun, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. In Matthew chapter 9 verses 14 through 17, uh, Jesus says this. He says, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. Someday the groom will be taken and they'll fast, but the groom is here now. My hope for us as a congregation as we get into 2022 and we're gathered and we're you know, not having to worry about the COVID and all this other stuff, that we will lean into that value in particular and we will have some fun together. We will have some fun together because the the king that we serve – His kingdom is a joyous kingdom. It's not this laborious, serious, kind of a thing. It's a joyous kingdom.